Amen. So last Sunday we began a new teaching series, which I called, Why Can't We All Just Calm Down? And, uh, you know, the initial response to that is because it's not that easy. You know, we live in a kind of crazy world. It seems to be in a crazy time where, where everything's going at such a fast pace. Everybody seems stressed out, overwhelmed, and, and, and a lot of people seem so angry. And it's like, why can't we just... And what I did last week was I introduced the, the topic that we're, we're looking at, the theme that we're looking at through this series, Calm Down. And uh, I introduced it and I, and I made three simple statements. And that is number one, Christians do have mental health issues. Secondly, God cares about mental health issues. And thirdly, God wants to help us with mental health issues. And what was amazing was that actually the teaching from last Sunday, I think has had more views on social media than any that we've done here for months and months and months and months. And there was so much incredibly positive feedback from folks who said they found it helpful. And so we're gonna continue through that series and to break that topic down over the next few weeks. And today what I wanna look at is easing anxiety. Easing anxiety. <clears throat> when I went to Bible college, I was, I was straight out of high school, 18 years old, and, and it wasn't like, it wasn't just a Christian college. It was different than that. It was a denominationally run, small Bible school that existed purely to train people for ministry. So you didn't do odds and ends of classes. You didn't have to get credits in English and whatever else and this, that, and the other. The whole curriculum was geared towards preparing people for ministry. And, and what was interesting about it was that most of the students there were actually in their 20s already. They were people who got into careers and were, were, were starting to advance in chosen fields and felt God calling them to ministry and so went to Bible college. And, and a couple of them were in their 30s. There was even an old guy there, he was 40. Yeah. yeah, he was the old man there. He really was, you know. So I go in there. I'm the only person who, I'm the youngest person there, 18 years old. I'm the only person who comes in there straight from high school because everybody else was older and had, had some more life experience and was getting ready. And I don't know what it was. Um, I really don't. But I do know that a number of weeks into being there, um, I wasn't sleeping well. I wasn't feeling good in a number of different ways. And I went to see a doctor. And so I go to see the doctor and he checks this, that, and the other, and he said, well, Roger, I can't find anything wrong with you, whatever. He said, I think your problem is anxiety. And what I wanna do is I wanna prescribe you some, some medication now that's gonna help you to calm down. And so it'll just help to ease the anxiety for you. And so I went, now, now back in olden days, <laughs> doctors gave you a written prescription. <laughs> Not so long ago, actually, right? They didn't just send it straight through to the pharmacy from their computers. So I go with this, with this prescription in my hand and I'm going, I'm going to the pharmacist now. And as I'm going to the pharmacist, a Bible verse comes to my mind from Philippians chapter four and verse six. And here's what it said. 
be careful for nothing. I'm quoting the King James because that's how we knew the Bible in those days, right? So be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. <clears throat> be careful for nothing or, or don't be anxious about anything. Now, what I'd like to tell you is when that verse came into my mind, instantaneously, I felt the peace of God. I felt totally at ease. I realized I didn't need the pills, and I went back to college, and everything was different. That's what I'd like to tell you, but that's not what happened. <laughs> what actually happened was I went to the pharmacy feeling a failure. Because the Bible tells me I shouldn't be anxious about anything. And here was I going to get pills to take away my anxiety. So here's Roger training for ministry. And you know what? He can't even get by without medication every morning. And I felt an abysmal failure because I needed to take my happy pills. And I took them for weeks and weeks and weeks until I came to a stage, and it was a brave move. It was a hard move, where I decided I wanted to try now without them. Don't be anxious about anything. Okay, that's it, you got your word for the day, off you go. <laughs> right, don't be, you know, you know and, and, and I look at that, and. Let's be realistic, is, is that even possible? With rising bills to pay. Hey, hey, some of you got kids that you're raising, don't be anxious about anything. Relationship issues that you might be dealing with and battling with, health challenges that you might be going through, job on the, stress on the job, inflation, eggs. Hey, and all that's before you turn on the news, right? And if you ever feel or do feel now like you are really battling with anxiety, let me just say this first. You're not alone. And you're not a failure. There was a study done in 2019, and it showed that two out of three Americans said they were anxious or extremely anxious. And that was 2019. That was before the Great Plague. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 2020s when COVID hit and all that stuff. This is 2019 when life's pretty cool. Yeah. 2019. One study showed that 91% of high school or college students said they were experiencing significant or consistent levels of anxiety associated with stress. So I want to talk about easing anxiety today, and I realize this is a complex issue because it comes in all shapes and sizes. So stress for you might, might, might be that you know, you've got to do a test this week and you're concerned about it. Um, stress for you might be that you've got to go to a function and meet some people you don't know too well, and you're not very comfortable with people you, you, you don't know too well. So, so you've got one side of the spectrum there. But then for other people, stress comes to the point where, where, where they're not sleeping, they're not eating, 
They just feel totally out of sorts. They really struggle to get out of bed in the morning. And there's a whole spectrum there of ways in which anxiety can affect us. Now, I, I put this disclaimer last Sunday, and for those of you who weren't here or those of you who need reminding, let me tell you this. I'm a pastor. Okay? Some of you are amazed at that, but it's still a fact, all right? I'm, I, I'm a pastor. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a counselor. I'm a pastor. So what I want to do today is I want to give you some biblical, spiritual guidance to dealing with anxiety. That does not mean to say you might not need to go and see a doctor. That does not mean to say that medication is something you need to avoid. But what I am saying is it is a multifaceted topic and I'm going to come at it simply from the spiritual perspective. And, and what I want to do today is, is, this book is full of the most fascinating stories. Now, I know as well, it's got a whole bunch of stuff that's hard to understand, but, but there are some absolutely terrific stories. So actually, what I want to do today is focus on a story that's hidden away a bit in the Old Testament in the second book of Chronicles, chapter 20, who's a guy, about a guy called Jehoshaphat who was going through a very tense time. So, so Jehoshaphat was the, was the leader of, of God's people, and life's going pretty well just now, when all of a sudden, there are three enemy tribes, nations, that start to attack him. The Moabites, the Ammonites, the Meunites. These three different enemy groups came to attack Jehoshaphat and his people. And Jehoshaphat is at the end of himself. And, and, and you know, when I look at the picture of Jehoshaphat, you know, there's, there's a great sort of indication there of, of how anxiety really gets us. It, it wasn't just that one, one particular army came against him. It wasn't that two armies came against him. It's, it's that there were three enemy armies. You know, sometimes, sometimes we can manage, we can cope with, we can handle one enemy force attacking. So you know what? I can handle the fact my boss is difficult. So I'm just pausing. That sounds bad if I make that statement, doesn't it? But, but you know what I mean, all right? So, so you can handle the fact that your boss is difficult, but then add to that the fact the car broke down on the way to work. And then you are afraid what it's going to cost, and already you're under financial stress. And that financial stress has actually been something that's been impacting your marriage and isn't going to help. And then when you eventually get into work, and this is January after all, and it's day one of your diet, you find that your colleagues brought in a whole box of Krispy Kreme donuts. <laughs> I was like, I can handle the awkward boss, but it's the accumulation of everything else, and I'm at the point now where I can't. I can't. And that may be where you are today. I can't deal with everything that's going on. That's why it's good you're here. That's why it's God that you're here. Because God can help us with our anxiety. 
Everybody deals with it. Our children deal with it. And of course, to make matters worse, there are those well-meaning Christians who tell you, you shouldn't be anxious. You know, once you give your life to Christ, it's okay. He takes over. Right? And that doesn't help your anxiety because you slap them and you feel bad about that then, right? <laughs> or worse than that, because you're not going to slap them. You feel guilty about your anxiety. And you feel like maybe you're doing something wrong. And the tragedy is you don't have a safe place where you can talk about it because you're not meant to be anxious. Let me just make this very, very clear and illustrate it. Anxiety is not a sin. The night before Jesus was crucified, he was praying to his father in the garden of Gethsemane. And the Bible says he was in agony of soul. He was tormented as he prayed. And many of you will know some of the words of that prayer he prayed. He said, Father, if it's possible, I don't want to go through with this. But your will, not mine, be done. Jesus was anxious as he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. Listen, anxiety is not a sin. But I'll tell you what anxiety is. And I really want you to get a hold of this today. I want to illustrate it to you. Anxiety is a symptom. When we get anxious, it's a symptom that we need to <clears throat> do something. And I'll give you a few things in a moment. It's, it's, it's like um, the, the other day or a few weeks ago, I'm, I'm driving my car. I mean, I, I love the fact that in modern cars, we've got every single bell and whistle and, and, and warning, right? I mean, like, do I really need to know the pressure in each of my tires all the time? Right? I managed most of my life without knowing that. It was easy. I'd look at the car and think, oh, that looks a bit soft. And then you go over and kick it. And it's like, right? I mean, we, we, we knew how our tires were. Now, now you've got, you know, now I've got, you know, oh, that tire just lost a pound. I wonder what's going on. Right? And then I'm so I'm merrily driving along the other day and, and, and the car pings and there's a warning comes up on the dashboard and the warning tells me my washer fluid is low. <laughs> and, and the thing is, because I know my car, I know that warning starts when it's half full still. So I ignore it. But every time I get in the car, the thing pings and the message comes up. And then I'm driving a few minutes and it pings and a message comes up and I clear it and it keeps coming back and it's going on and on and on and on until eventually I fold it. <laughs> right? I went, I went and bought some wiper fluid and I filled the darn thing up to get rid of the annoyance of the warning that kept annoying me. Stress is a, a warning. Stress is a symptom. Stress is the indication I need to do something. And I'm going to give you three simple things here, which I hope will help you with your stress. 
Number one is this. Anxiety tells me it's time to pray. Anxiety tells me it's time to pray. Now, you may, say, you may say, Roger, I was hoping for something a bit more than that. No, no, don't discard what I'm telling you unless you're doing it. Just let that sink in. Anxiety tells me, because we all talk a good game about praying, right? It's like, uh, well, I, you know, I, I've been praying about it, but... But have you been praying about it? I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad or guilty here. I'm really trying to help you find your solutions. Anxiety tells me it's time to pray. So here's Jehoshaphat, and here he is faced by these three enemy armies. And what does he do? Second Chronicles 20 and verse 6, here's, here's what he does. He says, Lord, the God of our ancestors... Are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. I want you just to look at that prayer for a moment because I want to point this out to you. When Jehoshaphat came to pray, he didn't come to pray and say, God, please save me. That was not his first call. He didn't come to prayer and say, Lord, destroy the enemy's army. What he did when he came to pray was he reminded himself, because God didn't need reminding, he reminded himself of who God is. Lord, the God of our ancestors, the God who is in heaven, you rule over the kingdoms of the nations, power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. And sometimes in our anxiety, we need to come to God in prayer, and as we pray, we need to declare and confess who God is, not for God's sake, but for our own sakes. Because you see, that statement there in, in, in that verse, that statement in his prayer is a statement that is absolutely unchanged from thousands of years ago when that prayer was uttered till today, right here in January of 2023. God is still the God of our ancestors. He is the God who is in heaven. He does rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in his hand and nobody can withstand him. That's still who God is and where God is, right? So, so that's how he starts praying. He starts praying, not God help me. That wasn't where he started. So many of us are like, oh God, please help me. And that's a legit prayer at times, all right? I'm not, I'm not putting it down, but I'm saying particularly when we're anxious, anxiety tells me it's time to pray. And then he goes on in verse 9 and says this. If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before the temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress and you will hear and save us. So he prays, reminding himself of who God is. And as he goes on to pray, he says, we're, we're going to look to you and we're, we're going to cry to you. And God, I know that you will save us. God, we trust you. Our faith is in you. We call on you and we believe 
that you will save us. You can pray like that when you feel anxious. Remind yourself of who God is and remind God that you know who he is. And say, God, I'm gonna stand here because I believe that you will save us. When you feel anxious and don't know what to do, cry out to God like Jehoshaphat did. Real prayer, actual prayer. Really be praying. Dr. Caroline Leaf wrote a book a few years ago called Switch On Your Brain. Always a good thing to do. So in her book, Switch On Your Brain, she said this, it's been found that in 12 minutes of focused prayer, sorry, of daily focused prayer, over an eight-week period, it can change the brain to such an extent that it can actually be measured in a brain scan. 12 minutes a day, consistently over time, can change your brain. So not only does prayer touch the heart of God, but prayer changes the chemistry of the brain. How about that? Now, you may say, well, 12 minutes is a long time. Well, it depends what you're doing. If you're binge watching The Highlander, it's not any time at all. If you're catching up on Facebook, 12 minutes goes just like that. But if you're overwhelmed by anxiety just now, anxiety is a signal you need to pray. You may say, I wouldn't know how to pray for 12 minutes. Well, you don't really need to. But just pull away from everything. I'm too busy. No, no, no you're not. You're, you're anxious. And you need to just find the time. Just to chat with God for a minute or two about what's happening. Then maybe just sit quietly. Maybe read a bit from his word. But time spent with God is part of the way we deal with anxiety. Because the fact is this, apparently scientifically, prayer can change the way our brain acts. We talked about that last week, how, how you know, in the course of our lives, <clears throat> our, our patterns develop in our brain of how we react to things and how we act and pathway that, pathways that we go down and, and, and how we can change them by getting ourselves to, to, to really think differently and go to a different place when something arises. Because the thing is this, the more you think a thought, the more often you can think that thought, the more you do think that thought, and the easier it becomes. And you can renew and change your brain by focusing on God. Apparently, in our brains, there are two little things called the amygdala. See, you didn't know that, did you? Nor did I. Perhaps you did. But there are two little things, and, and there's one in each hemisphere of the brain, and, and, and it's a little almond-shaped thing. So if somebody ever told you you're nuts, it's true, okay? 
All right, so, so there's this little almond-shaped thing in, 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 in each hemisphere of the brain. And, and actually, that little thing is, is where it, 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 it's the thing that sets off warnings for us. It's our brain's alarm system. It's what triggers when we need to be taking note of what's going on. So if you're out walking at night and you hear a noise behind you and you suddenly tense up, that's the amygdala doing that for you. The amygdala is telling you to be careful. It's doing its job. God created it to do that job for you. But there is also something that is called the amygdala, it's called amygdala hijacking. Amygdala hijacking is when we start to dwell on the alarm signal in our brain. So, so we hear something behind us and, 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 and there's kind of, oh, you know, our brain tells us, be aware. But then we, we start to really dwell on it and fixate on it and, and we suddenly realize that somewhere in the bushes beside us there is a trained KGB assassin who has been sent by Vladimir Putin particularly because Putin read something we put on Facebook a few months ago about the war in Ukraine and he's decided he's going to get me. That is amygdala hijacking. <laughs> or it's also when you got a headache and you say, brain cancer. <laughs> no, the headaches are warning something's wrong, but, the, but, then, but then we fix eight on the thing and, 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 and we go to a place we don't need to go to and, and we shouldn't go to. The New Testament word, okay, the, most of the New Testament was written in the Greek language. Uh, and the New Testament word that is translated anxiety is a Greek word, meribnail, which means dwelling or pondering on fearful or anxious thoughts. When you dwell on, ponder on the negative, what's happening is we're training our brains to be anxious. We're training the pathways in our brain to go to the negative. And, and, and you know, I've, I've learned some stuff this last week or two. I, I had no idea I had nuts in my brain till then. But there's, I, I've learned a couple of things. And, and, and you know, one of the things I discovered that in the secular world, the medical world, they say the solution to amygdala hijacking, to you dwelling on negative things, they say... It is meditation and breathing. Now that's what they say in the secular world. You know what we're gonna say in the spiritual world? The solution is praying. The solution's praying. What's the solution to being overwhelmed by anxiety? The solution is to pray. Because prayer doesn't just touch the heart of God, it changes our brains. Listen, you're normal if you are anxious. It's not a sin, it's a signal. It's a signal to take it to God. Here's what Jehoshaphat said in, in verse 12 of that chapter as part of his prayer. He said this, our eyes are on you. <laughs> our eyes are on you. He was taking his attention off the things that were so negative and he changed his focus and said, God, my eyes are on you. I want to encourage you this morning 
lift your gaze from the things that look overwhelming and turn your eyes upon Jesus. Turn your eyes on Jesus. Here's what it says in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. It says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Listen, if it's on your mind, God cares about it. If it's big enough for you to worry about, it's big enough for God to be interested in. It's time to take your anxiety to God in prayer. So if the first, if the, if the first thing is, if anxiety is a signal that I need to pray, so I pray, and, and then what do I do? Then, 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 then I jump in and try to fix it. No, no. You pray, God, you are, God is on the throne. You're in heaven. You're above everything. And God, you're going to save me. So I'll just go and rescue myself. No. No, you're anxious because you can't rescue yourself. You're anxious because it's something you can't do. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 12, continuation of this prayer. Our God, will you not judge them, his enemies, for we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Anxiety.